You know, I don't like lazy photographers. They never shoot in manual and are obsessed with filters. But as I was saying, let the podcast begin. Welcome to the RGGEDU podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. This podcast is brought to you by Sekonic, makers of a complete range of photo and cine light meters for professionals and passionate amateurs who care about the craft of photography. Sekonic meters help you get it right in camera, so you can save time in post-production, which will let you focus on improving and being more creative. Head over to Sekonic.com for more information about how their products can help you be a better photographer every day. In this episode, we're joined with Julian Triba, the inventor of the layer laps, which is kind of mind-melting. It's totally mind-melting. I'm, it, here, I'm here, by the way, Rob, Rob's here as well. I'm here. Rob's still here. Always here. Just turning away at day, day two. Can't get rid of me. Yeah. Julian, thank you so much for kind of jumping into this. Uh, funny, we were walking by the Atomos booth yesterday, and we see this presentation, so we stop and... Uh, we find out that it's Julian, and uh, we're watching this, and I had never seen a layer lapse. I'm like, no. holy mother effer, this is awesome. It's a whole new level. So, so let's get into it. Where, How did that come about? Well, first of all, what is a layer lapse? Yeah. Tell our audience who doesn't know, because they won't know. What in the world is a layer lapse? Define it. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Um, so what it, what is a layer lapse? So typically a regular time lapse, you have kind of the passage of time, like you know, day to night, clouds moving, things like that. Uh, what a layer lap scene does is you're actually breaking the scene up uh, into multiple different layers, and then each of those layers can have a different time. So essentially, I work a lot with cities, um, and so I'll break up like buildings and things like that. And the layer lapse effect is really showing different times of day uh, by highlighting like different buildings or objects that are in the scene. Uh, so instead of having like this one universal clock like you'd see in video or in a regular time lapse, you have a bunch of different clocks or times that are all sort of happening at the same time. So you're kind of messing with the with the day night timeline and almost turning buildings on and off. Like yeah, exactly. Literally highlighting specific buildings, they almost kind of glow and come to life and then get dim again. It's kind of funky. Yeah, yeah. So you, if you think about it almost as a binary of like daytime or nighttime, um, it's a lot of just, you know, turning on and off the switch of like one building will be night and then day. And then a lot of that and my work is kind of motivated by music. So I generally will sort of turn the layers on and off or change from day to night sort of based on how the how the music is playing. But this is not really a switch. You got to isolate that building. So what's the process to, to mask that out and then turn it on or off with that with that algorithm? Yeah, so, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a lot of masking. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I have some techniques to try to kind of speed up the masking process, but there, there is a bit of kind of upfront just labor and going in, isolating all the buildings. Uh, you know, now that I've been working in New York, you have anywhere from 80 to like 200 different buildings that'll be in a scene. Mm -hmm. Um, so typically take a few hours, uh, to go in and kind of mask it all. And then once you're done with that, you have sort of a layer representing each building or each object. So, you know, the sky will have one, I'll have a background layer and then every building will be assigned a different layer. Are so, you doing this in Photoshop? After Effects. And After Effects. Did you have to, did you already know After Effects? Not when I started. <laughs> after Effects confuses, I'm not an editor. Now after Effects it well. confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to learn there. But what's cool with After Effects is you can get into the whole scripting. Um, and that kind of allows you to take the control to another level. How many different time lapses go into a layer lapse? Is it just two passes, day, night? Or is it 
one happening every hour or every couple hours? Uh, it's just, so it depends if it's static or if it's a motion time lapse. Yeah. Uh, so on a static camera, I'll typically just set it up and let it run for minimum of four hours, typically more like six hours. And then it'll essentially just be a continuous shot. Um, so you have about, I don't know, I'll shoot like 1,000, 1,200 images or so. Uh, with the motion passes, you actually have to do uh, multiple passes uh, because essentially you need all of the objects like to align in the scene. So mm-hmm. you have to have the motion control rig at the exact same point, same position um, at a different point in time. And then the, you know, you'll have a few different layers that are all lined up that are different passes. This so, has to be computer-driven in order to repeat, repeat. What, what program, what, what, uh, what kind of rig are you using to make this happen? So I, I use the Kessler Crane motion control system. So I have a Kessler CineDrive. I also use the Kessler Second Shooter Plus. And, yeah, you're spot on. It's all pre-programmed moves. Uh, you're doing a digital thing, and then you're just repeating that exact same motion. Um, so that's how you're getting that precision, that repeatability. And, I mean, the, I love the Kessler stuff. It's, it's super accurate, and it, it essentially just allows you to go in plop the layers and as long as their their start and end point is the same the, the layers will line right up if you bump your rig at all your host <laughs> yep yeah. I mean, how host. Times, yeah how many times have you accidentally bumped the camera <laughs> i love talking about it because <laughs> <laughs> he wasted a whole day <laughs> so how are you getting access to all these places you, you always have a very unique vantage point yeah so that's that's what's huge for me and that's kind of strategically also how i've sort of try to build a business around uh, an industry where I could get access. So that turns out to be the real estate industry. Uh, So a lot of the commercial work I do is either with like real estate agents. Uh, We've done marketing campaigns for uh, like buildings, like whole skyscrapers, um, you know, casinos, things like that. And so by kind of working in the real estate world, uh, you can kind of use time lapse to market their buildings or, you know, penthouses, things like that. And it goes hand in hand with getting access to great locations because typically, you know, they only want to pay you to shoot, you know, really nice penthouses or places with great views. And it kind of lends itself perfectly to getting that access. This is a total niche market. I mean, architecture is niche to begin with, but then what you're doing is really specialized. I assume that this just started as kind of a passion and then you built the business around it, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's spot on. So I... I'm I'm actually pretty fresh. So I started this whole sort of video thing in the last couple of years. I graduated college 2013, was a mechanical engineer, worked at General Electric for a couple of years. And I essentially decided as an engineer, like I didn't want to do it full time. And during that whole phase of working 60 or 80 hour weeks, I was kind of building this whole idea of layer lapse photography and getting more into it. And once I released the first video, the Boston layer lapse video, that kind of connected me with clients and I just kind of made the jump and I'd never even been really paid to do any kind of time lapse or video work before released the video, got some inquiries and, and kind of just took it from there. Snowball. What were you doing at, at GE? What was your job? Uh, so I was in what's called the Edison engineering development program. It's a two year program where you get your masters and it's kind of a crash course in essentially rocket science. So you're doing the jet engine design. Uh, General Electric does a lot of the commercial as well as the military jet engines. 
Uh, so they they teach you the ins and outs every week. That sounds cool as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty cool. It. it was just it was a lot of like sitting in a cubicle and then just you know like banging your head against the wall like trying to solve these really complicated problems with fifty equations, fifty unknowns, like and just you know grinding. And it was it was just a it was a tough phase of staying late at work, like working through these really challenging problems. And I think kind of what I decided is like, I wanted to do a little bit more of a creative path of my career. And, you know, now with layer lapsing, I'm actually getting a lot back into this coding. Um, and a lot of what I think about kind of with all these layers, I mentioned, you know, New York, we have anywhere from 50 to, a, you know, 200 layers. That's all now mathematics based how I'm controlling that. Um, so I kind of think of it as like 50 or 100 equations happening simultaneously. And uh, by linking them with scripting and After Effects, you can essentially control them all simultaneously. So it's a, it's a cool way that I've been able to sort of leverage my past as an engineer and kind of use it in a more creative way. You know, a lot of the people we have talked with in the last 15 episodes, they kind of all have the same story of like, I was the ADD terrible student. And then that pushed me into being a photographer. You're a rocket scientist and then going into photography. <laughs> so You're coming at it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, I mean, that's crazy. It is crazy. But it's, it's really allowed you to, you know, really innovate and push this industry forward with this whole new technique that everyone's like, that literally stops you in your tracks. That's exactly what I saw. I was like, what the F is that? And then like, as we kept, you know, watching and listening to your presentation yesterday, um, you know, your background in math has allowed you to like innovate and push the industry forward. So I want to know a little bit more about this, this crazy math. How does, how does that in, integrate? Is that After Effects allows you to do that? Yeah. So After Effects has uh, like scripting functions um, and you can essentially go in and like write like Java scripting. Uh, so it, it essentially like sky's the limit there. So you can write code, you can create loops, you can link different uh, layers together uh, so a lot of the, I mean, I don't want to get too into the math. Oh, yeah, get into it. Get into it. All right. So I, typically what I'll do is like, I'll think of an effect that I want to create. Like say I want every building in a scene to be twinkling. Um, so I'll think of it as like, imagine you have a daytime and a nighttime and then you have kind of like this on off switch. Think of it almost as like a binary zero and one or zero and a hundred percent. Uh, and then you can go in and sort of create equations like, you know, a sinusoid or something like that, where it'll oscillate between like day and night. And then you can kind of copy and paste these equations across all the layers. And so what I've been trying to do more and more is craft uh, code and equations that I can really copy paste and just drag and drop them into these like complex 200 layer scenes and instantly kind of get a visual effect. And I'll typically have a number of variables that, I can control how fast it's switching between day and night, how long it stays on something. But then I'll also have like random number generators so that everything's operating like with a certain set of randomness as well. Uh, so more than anything, it's just I've been spending just a lot of time of like crafting equations to create certain visual aesthetics. Uh, like another one that I do a lot of is like waves. So instead of just doing a basic like mask where you blend you kind of have a wave of day to night passing through a scene. I can actually go and have, you know, one building and then the next and the next turn yeah, from day cool. to night. So stuff like that. And that's all just an equation where you're saying, like, you follow the layer 
before you or something like that, which just turned it onto a daytime. Uh, and then it, it'll like propagate through all of the different layers. So how much time do you think you're saving by using the equations and not just doing the whole thing manual like most people would try? So I did all of the Boston Layer Labs manual, and that's, that was like 30 layers or so. So it was like a little bit more finite. It's a smaller skyline. I don't think I could do a lot of the visual effects that I'm doing now manually. Uh, it, like in a certain way, some of it is just pure randomness. Like I'm actually creating like cycles of random number generators. So a human is never fully random. So I could go in and keyframe and make it oscillate around, but I can never actually create like perfect randomness. And so that's where, you know, the math allows you to just generate random numbers to drive certain equations. And to me, like by having random number generators kind of baked into a lot of this stuff, it's, it's what, it makes it much more like visually appealing to me. Like you can just somehow intuitively sense that there's like randomness there and, I, I've been drawn to that look. So this makes my brain hurt. <laughs> and seriously, because you don't think like in Photoshop, you don't think of math in terms of adding an equation to affect your image. It's just so th to me, this is so bloody foreign. It's just it, how does an equation work inside of After Effects? So I I mess around mostly in the opacity world. So okay. you can script any variable. So you can scale. I've never position. heard that sentence. Never yeah. heard that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean you could ma manipulate like contrast, brightness, opacity. You know, you like you name it. There's you know a million different plugins in After Effects, and right. you can script a lot of those. But for simplicity's sake, we can just focus on opacity. Right. Um, and so that's that's really where I'm manipulating most of the equations and just changing opacity between zero and 100%. And so at zero, it might, it'll reveal the layer underneath it, which might be like a nighttime. And then at 100%, it would reveal that layer, which might be a daytime scene. Yeah, I, can see, I can see how you can mess with the opacity. I don't understand yet how you get the randomness into it. Because I know if you're running an action, if you're setting, if you're setting up um, something, you... you set it to like zero or 10% or whatever, but how are you randomizing it? Uh, yeah. So that's an interesting question. Um, so if you think about like a sine wave, like, you know, those just oscillate between zero and I one. I never think about sine waves. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I never think about them. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm the, I'm the nerd here. Right? <laughs> I am so, now though. So we worked a lot with sine waves back at GE, but anyway, so you, you have like this function that's bouncing between zero and one pretty consistently. But that's like a predictable, like visual aesthetic. Like if you just watch it, like you know it's going to go from day to night and back to day. Where I put in the random number generators is the rate at which it switches. So instead of just having a perfect sine wave that's every one second switching, you can say, all right, create a random number gen generator uh, and create a value between like zero and five seconds. And now that layer will switch from day to night based off the result of that random number generator. So it. it could be one second, two seconds, three seconds, right. or anything in between. And so once you do that and then you paste it across all the different equations, they're all operating independently and they're all, I mean, it creates this effect where they're almost like shimmering and flickering in and out. And yeah. The rate at which they're changing is constantly random, but they're all kind of constrained by a certain set of parameters of like do it between one and five seconds. Like I can still control that. Isn't it also impossible for the human brain to generate random? Yeah. Random things? Yeah. Because like you could there you will always be able to find some sort of pattern. Like so subconsciously you're 
creating a pattern, you can't come up with random. Things. I don't know. I feel like you do a lot of random things. <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah, brain generates. Yeah, that. but there's a pattern of that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There is. There I have is a, a repetition. history of yeah. random crazy shit. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely right. a pattern that. But is that true? Like, you have- yeah, that's true. Like, if if you have a human try to like say create random numbers from like zero to ten and just like write them in a list and just like write a few hundred. A computer can almost always identify if they're actually random or if a human created those numbers, even if you're actually trying to just think of random numbers. Yeah, yeah. I saw that on an episode. What was that series where they used math to solve a problem or crimes? Do you remember? Does anyone mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this this guy <laughs> this guy was creating uh, was murdering people. There's a serial killer all over the city, and he was trying to be random, but by using math, they were able to predict his next location. Oh, they busted him. Yeah, they busted him with math. Look at that. Math is, you know. Math will bust you. Math will bust you. (laughs) The truth always comes out in the math. So how long did it take to build the first, the Boston one? I know it was the most, your most complex. It was the first one. So how long did it take to do that layer lapse? It was about six months start to finish. Six months. But so I was actually working full time in that phase. So it's, it's kind of, let's say the weekends I devoted to it for six months, um, that's dedication. What possessed you? Uh, the motivation to get out of the cubicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The lack of windows. And I just had this desire to like go out in the world and explore and travel more. And I just felt a little like trapped doing math and like sitting in a cube all day. So yeah. now how long does it take for you to do this process? So the masking still takes, you know, not a full day, but it'll, it, you know, if you're doing 200 layers or something, it'll take like six hours or so. Um, but now that I have these equations, I have, you know, a number of them. I can now just, as soon as I finish masking everything, I can just copy, paste, drop them in, and I can have, like, five looks almost instantly. And the masks I'm, also have to move, though, with your with your movement that the, the Kessler's giving you, right? Yeah, so if you're... If so you're is doing, that an equation? Uh, no, that's okay. just keyframed, essentially. Keyframed. That's just a For lot some, of man hours. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I generally do... I've been drifting more towards static shots just for the sake of time but um i mean yeah you can do it with motion and you just have to add some more keyframes to make the the masks stay locked on right so when a client comes to you and they want this and you you know throw your your number out there are they like whoa this is like way more than we had had in mind because it takes so long i i mean not not necessarily Uh, sometimes i've heard both like some people are like how much does this cost you throw a number and they're like whoa okay we can't do that but sometimes that's just like a small business or something and they're just hoping to get a cool video yeah um but i mean bigger clients are like oh yeah that's totally reasonable um so it, it kind of depends i mean the doing it commercially is still a little niche like because it's just such a you know weird visual aesthetic that you know for a lot of like corporate advertising and stuff it's it's not necessarily always appropriate but you know, it has its place. It's really eye-grabbing. It can catch people's attention if you're walking by a screen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a mixed bag. A lot of it is just that by creating the layer lapses, I've had so many people just come to my website and check out my work, and that's that's led to a lot of other, uh, you know, job opportunities as well. So, and I know you said that the real estate sector is big. Who are some of your other clients? Are you mainly just working in the real estate sector for now? A lot of it is real estate. Yeah, casinos, uh, you know, developers. So I also do long-term time-lapse. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have uh, four units right now that just kind of live on a rooftop and are taking pictures every few minutes. Wait, um, right now? You're doing you're doing a time-lapse right now? Right now. Son of four. <laughs> He's 
He's doing four time lapses in the middle of this podcast. So where are these at? So one's in Boston and three are in Chicago right now. Right on. So how do you protect this camera? What sort of, did you have to build a, a shelter for it? Uh, so I, I use a photo sentinel uh, unit. Uh, they manufacture them. They're essentially, they give you a waterproof like housing. You can put your camera in it. It has a nice glass on the front. Um, and then there's a controller on the inside. You put a SIM card into it. It's got an antenna. And so essentially as soon it can trigger the camera, it saves it to the SD card, then uploads it through cellular data, syncs it to Dropbox, and then I can see it now on my phone or on my the desktop. The time lapse right so, now is in your your pocket? Yeah. <laughs> You're getting these things as that they're being awesome. shot. Basically. Yeah, every couple minutes, yeah. Oh, that's insane. So wow. do, you, do you have to maintain, like, what happens if it rains? Is that glass going to get water spotted? And do you have to go clean it off? Like and, a bird shit on it. Yeah. Have you uh, had that yet? I have not had a bird. Knock so they wood. have visors on the top to, to help, like, a little bit. But, yeah. yeah, if it, like, rains really hard, you know, you'll have some water on there. But when you're doing, like, a three-year project, if it rains and, you know, 12 hours of footage has some water droplets, uh, it's not a huge deal. Not a, deal. a lot of what you're going to do anyway with these really long projects is you're going to go sort all the images and just take like the sunny blue sky days um, mm -hmm. and just use those. Cause by the end of it, you know, you're having like tens of thousands of images. So too many images. Yeah. You don't want to play like a five, 10 minute video of just like this building slowly being erected. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a big ask for an audience. So you, yeah. in general, I, I will eliminate a lot of the images, make it happen a lot faster. And then we'll also, you know, do other things like have some video on the ground, do some aerial work as well. And, Kind of craft a video so that this way. is a three-year time lapse did you say that yeah so i have a couple that are wow. going for two years another one three years how often do you have to go back and check the equipment change the batteries do all that stuff so it's uh in theory it can run on its own um they recommend anywhere from like three to six months which is about what i found for how regularly you got to check on them um it's more that you just have to check when something isn't going right. So if, like, there's a little bit of moisture buildup on the inside, you might want to replace the moisture-absorbing packets, um, you know, things like this. But it has a it has a solar panel. It has a battery there. Uh, you can remotely change your settings and your interval. You can tell it on what days to take pictures or what times. And you can constantly be changing that as well. So this they That's provided so cool. you with the camera as well? Or is it your own camera? Uh, you can put in your own camera. What um, are you using? Uh, so I have... And some of them I have just Canon T5Is, like a simple camera, because um, it's living there for a long time. So you yeah. don't necessarily want to put like, you know, an A7R2 with like a beautiful prime lens. Sure you do. If you want to, if you can charge it to the client, absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. Some of the clients can't guarantee that the rooftops are safe. So I'm like, yeah. I, I only want to jeopardize like so much gear. Um, but for another client, we're doing like a Canon 60 and, you know, an 85 prime. Um, so it, yeah, it, it kind of depends on the project, what the client wants. Yeah. That's gotta be weird. So the, it, it's up on a rooftop and kind of nobody's watching it, but somebody could get on the rooftop and <laughs> take off with your equipment or it can get knocked. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so that's why you can monitor it remotely. Like, right. so when I'm sitting at home, like, you know, I have Dropbox sync there. So there's constantly notifications popping up with the latest images so I can constantly be seeing them. Uh, Are these things just sitting on a tripod or do you, I, I mean, I feel like you got to go like build a brick hut or something to attach it to on top yeah. of the roof. Like how do, how do you keep this on? Like, yeah. What roof? Is, well, don't tell us what roof it's on, but like, how'd you get permission <laughs> to put something for three years on someone's roof? So I got the client to, I was like, 
I can provide this service, but you have to get secure the location. Secure the location. Smart, yeah. So so they worked with some of their neighbors and were like, hey, we'll scratch your back, you scratch our back. So we got permission that way. Um for another project, that, like the easiest way to mount them is on a pole. Like they have this whole pole mounting system where you can kind of ratchet strap them to like any kind of like metal or wooden pole. Um, and so that's that's probably the most stable and easiest way to go. The rooftops are a little more. You got to like set up a rig to cinder blocks, yeah, stuff yeah. like that to, to kind of keep it locked in. Chicago has some rough winters too. Like, oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's got to affect battery life and everything as well. Yeah, so right around like winter solstice when you have the shortest amount of yeah. sunlight, uh, you know, you can monitor the battery voltage too remotely. So it'll it'll plot the battery voltage over time. So right around the solstice period, it was also snowing. The solar panel was getting covered. So it died for like a day or two. And then as soon as the snow melts, sun comes back on, recharges the battery, and the thing will jump back on and keep taking pictures. That's totally cool. I yeah. dig it. So how are you... How are you marketing yourself? Are you using social media? Are you reaching out and pitching clients? That's a good question. I, honestly, a lot of the work that I've come is just by posting videos online and then having a lot of traffic just driven to my website that way. Uh, the other thing is like I've worked a lot with a company in New York uh, that does – they sort of built a specialty around real estate. And so we started kind of chatting and we realized there was you know a lot of mutually beneficial work there. I could provide the time lapses. They already had a bit of the existing clientele. Um, nice. So, yeah, I honestly haven't even gone out of my way too much to aggressively market myself. I haven't done too much cold calling yet. But really- have, have you started to see uh, imitators pop up in the marketplace doing layer lapsing, or is this just too difficult? I've seen like a shot or two, or like where people put the cover image of their sh- of their video will have like this like layer lapse effect, where like you know, part of the city is day, part of it is night, and it's blended together. I've I've never seen someone actually bother to do more than a shot. Uh, yeah, what I've seen because they're not that crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that smart. <laughs> it takes well, a lot I'm, of patience. Yeah. I'm also wondering if there is an opportunity for you to build something. Obviously, you've built something unique, but can you help to bring it to more people by um, creating a package, creating um, your own set of plugins or whatever that you can sell? monetize it where other photographers can do this without having the insane learning curve of trying to figure this out. And let's face it, not all photographers are as smart as, yeah. you know, they're not rocket science. No, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're ADD. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, like, absolutely. I've, I've been trying to actually package it into something yeah. that's a little more uh, usable for the average person. Uh, my end goal right now, and it's going to take a little bit longer, but so that you could have some sort of After Effects plug-in. And then I'm not sure fully how the whole masking situation would work out. That's kind of its own beast. But say you had a couple of layers that were masked out or something, uh, that, that you could just have this plug-in go in, you could drop in a song, and then the plug-in could actually analyze the frequency of the songs, find the beats, and then trigger some of the equations that I've created on those beats so to have like every you know time the drum hits you have like a wave propagating through so things like that so you can actually just drag and drop and then have it automatically start creating a visual effect for you and then you could kind of tweak some of the parameters yeah i think you need to make that software yeah it'd be a cool thing yeah, I think. have you talked to adobe <laughs> not yet get in touch with them <laughs> yeah if anyone no, has a no do adobe it on your contact. own do it on your own <laughs> well do it on your own and then sell it as a plugin well that's what i mean our own soft yeah. software like He's got, but he needs to work with Adobe at some point for it to be able to integrate with him. Not if he writes his own software, Rob. Whole new suite. 
Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I need another developer, another coder, or something. That's uh, totally cool. It's such an uh, an unusual um, segment. I mean, there's just nobody doing it. So it's kudos to you for coming up with something completely unique. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think more than anything for me, it was like I was in that engineering world, and I I you know learned everything I know about time lapse by going online and a lot of the tutorials I was watching, people get saying, you know, like, bring your own style, do something unique, like whether it's how you grade or just your visual approach. And so that's really what, from the beginning, as I was thinking, like, how can I do something different? And, some, and you know, the layer lapse kind of just fell in my lap. And, it, you know, it's something that also plays to my strengths of, like, you know, doing the math and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I was just motivated by, like, you know, how do I really stand out and do something that's atypical? Yeah, this keeps going back to math, you know. I mean, even analyzing sound waves and then having your layers turn on and off according to the sound waves. That's only a mathematician could think of that, yeah. not a photographer. So where do you want to take this? What 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 happens for you down the road with this thing? So a big thing for me is the automation. That's actually yeah. a direction that I would, like, love to to move in uh, further. And I I still feel like it's almost like you're learning to play an instrument. Like, for me, like, learning this whole layer lapse thing is, like, you know, you have this idea in your mind, like any creative idea, I think this could apply to And then you try to like create something concrete out of that idea. And it's never, whatever you make is never actually a perfect representation of that like core idea in your mind. So more than anything, like what I'm trying to do is just master how I control these layers. And I still feel like the work that I've done so far is like I'm a beginner intermediate level of how I can like really manipulate these but I would love to get to a point where I can do like VR experiences with, where I really feel like I'm like nailing the whole experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did that guy, um, you know, the Dubai, um, it's called the flow motion. Yeah. Rob Whitworth. How did he do that? Do you know, uh, you know this guy? Yeah. I, I don't know him too well. I've, I've chatted with him. Uh, so it's a lot of, it's also a lot of after effects. Uh, I mean, he's messing more with uh, like doing zoom um, and, and, you know, blending, different shots together but it's it's some of the same principles where you're masking things out having different layers and then sort of zooming through a scene and revealing layers that are hidden within that scene um but you know he he kind of did an amazing job with that and i saw his work and i was like this is so cool but i also don't want to just go out and focus all my energy on just trying to like emulate yes, like, what this yeah, guy yeah. did like yeah, he's yeah. he's crushing it so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy so where can everyone go to to check you out, find find your work, and follow you online? Uh, so my handle for Instagram is Julian T Photo. Uh, my website is JulianTPhoto.com. Um, Twitter, same thing. Uh, and yeah, I have a few projects that are kind of teed up now. Uh, two of the New York projects that I've been working on for the last couple of years now. Nice. Will hopefully, be dropping in the next few weeks or months. I'm just trying to get all the companies and sponsors lined up for for the launch. And cool. what advice do you have, uh, kind of like a final thought for everyone out there that might be sitting in the cubicle right now or on their way to work and they don't want to be there? Like, what advice do you have for to, to give to people that to, that want to be creative? I think more than anything, it's like get in touch with what makes you unique and like really think about like what it is that makes you different as a person. And I think that's also then the thing you want to focus on with your visual art is like think about how you want to create art and like really like get in touch with like what are your motives what do you want to communicate like what is your intention 
Uh, and it, yeah, try to create something that's like true to yourself and it isn't just based off of what you're seeing online and that's getting a lot of attention online. Sound advice. Sound advice. Yeah. Well, it was, it's been a pleasure, um, chatting with you. Thank you again for, for swinging by before your flight today. So yeah. it's yeah, been yeah, a great conversation and uh, we're glad you could sit, sit down with us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So to download this episode, go to rggedupodcast.com. You can also follow us and subscribe on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks again. MySpace. MySpace too, sorry. <laughs> I saw Annie Leibold shoot once. It was magical. She would take a shot and just throw the camera over her shoulder as some poor squire would catch it. This podcast is brought to you by Sakonic and the new L858 Speedmaster Lightmeter the first multifunction light meter to measure flash duration and HSS. Its expanded ISO range and higher sensitivity in low light make it the perfect companion for any photographer or filmmaker looking to get accurate and consistent results in their work. Go to Siconic.com to learn more about this incredible tool and see how it can help you unlock your true photographic potential.